This is section 51 of The Gilded Age. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Gilded Age, A Tale of Today by Mark Twain and C. D. Warner, Chapter 51. December 18 blank. Found Washington Hawkins and Colonel Sellers once more at the capital of the nation, standing guard over the university bill. The former gentleman was despondent, the latter hopeful. Washington's distress of mind was chiefly on Laura's account. The court would soon sit to try her case, he said, and consequently a great deal of ready money would be needed in the engineering of it. The university was sure to pass this time, and that would make money plenty, but might not the help come too late? Congress had only just assembled, and delays were to be feared. "'Well,' said the Colonel, "'I don't know, but you are more or less right there. Now let's figure up a little on uh, the preliminaries. I think Congress always tries to do as near right as it can, according to its lights. A man can't ask any fairer than that. The first preliminary it always starts out on is to clean itself, so to speak. It will arraign two or three dozen of its members, or maybe four or five dozen, for taking bribes to vote for this and that and the other bill last winter. It goes up into the dozens, does it? Well, yes, in a free country like ours, where any man can run for Congress and anybody can vote for him, you can't expect immortal purity all the time. It ain't in nature. Sixty or eighty or a hundred and fifty people are bound to get in who are not angels in disguise, as young Hicks, the correspondent, says. But still it is a very good average, very good indeed. As long as it averages as well as that, I think we can feel very well satisfied." even in these days when people growl so much and the newspapers are so out of patience there is still a very respectable minority of honest men in congress why a respectable minority of honest men can't do any good colonel oh yes it can too why how oh in many ways many ways but what are the ways well i don't know it is a question that requires time a body can't answer every question right off-hand, uh, but it does do good. I am satisfied of that. All right, then. Grant that it does good. Go on with the preliminaries. Well, that is what I am coming to. Uh, first, as I said, uh, they will try a lot of members for taking money for votes. Uh, that will take four weeks. Yes, that's like last year, and it is a sheer waste of the time for which the nation pays those men to work. That is what that is and it pinches when a body's got a bill waiting. A waste of time to purify the fountain of public law? Well, I never heard anybody express an idea like that before. But if it were, it would still be the fault of the minority, for the majority don't institute these proceedings. There is where that minority becomes an obstruction, but still one can't say it is on the wrong side. Well, after they have finished the bribery cases, they will take up cases of members who have bought their seats with money." that will take another four weeks. Very good. Go on. You have accounted for two-thirds of the session. Next they will try each other for various smaller irregularities, like the sale of appointments to West Point cadetships, and that sort of thing, mere trifling pocket-money enterprises that might better be passed over in silence, perhaps, but then one of our Congresses can never rest easy till it has thoroughly purified itself of all blemishes, and that is a thing to be applauded. How long does it take to disinfect itself of these minor impurities? Well, about two weeks, generally. So Congress always lies helpless in quarantine, 
ten weeks of a session. That's encouraging. Colonel, poor Laura will never get any benefit from our bill. Her trial will be over before Congress has half purified itself. And doesn't it occur to you that by the time it has expelled all its pure members, there may not be enough members left to do business legally? Why, I did not say Congress would expel anybody. Well, won't it expel anybody? Not necessarily. Did it last year? It never does. That would not be regular. Then why waste all the session in that tomfoolery of trying members? But it is usual. It is customary. The country requires it. Then the country is a fool, I think. Oh, no! The country thinks somebody is going to be expelled. Well, when nobody is expelled, what does the country think then? By that time the thing has strung out so long that the country is sick and tired of it, and glad to have a change on any terms. But all that inquiry is not lost. It has a good moral effect. Who does it have a good moral effect on? Well, I don't know. On foreign countries, I think. We have always been under the gaze of foreign countries. There is no country in the world, sir, that pursues corruption as inveterably as we do. There is no country in the world whose representatives try each other as much as ours do, or stick to it as long on a stretch. I think there is something great in being a model for the whole civilized world, Washington. You don't mean a model. You mean an example. Well, it's all the same. It's just the same thing. It shows that a man can't be corrupt in this country without sweating for it, I can tell you that. Hang it, Colonel. You just said we never punish anybody for villainous practices. But, good God, we try them, don't we? Is it nothing to show a disposition to sift things and bring people to a strict account? I tell you, it has its effect. Oh, bother the effect. What is it they do do? How do they proceed? You know perfectly well, and it is all bosh, too. Come now, how do they proceed? Why, they proceed right and regular, and it ain't bosh, Washington, it ain't bosh. They appoint a committee to investigate, and that committee hears evidence three weeks, and all the witnesses on one side swear that the accused took money or stock or something for his vote, and then the accused stands up and testifies that he may have done it, but he was receiving and handling a good deal of money at the time, and he doesn't remember this particular circumstance, at least with sufficient distinctness to enable him to grasp it tangibly. So, of course, the thing is not proven, and that is what they say in the verdict. They don't acquit, they don't condemn, they just say, charge not proven. It leaves the accused in a kind of a shaky condition before the country. It purifies Congress, it satisfies everybody, and it doesn't seriously hurt anybody. It has taken a long time to perfect our system, but it is the most admirable in the world now. So one of those long, stupid investigations always turns out in that lame, silly way. Yes, you are correct. I thought maybe you viewed the matter differently from other people. Do you think a Congress of ours could convict the devil of anything if he were a member? My dear boy, don't let these damaging delays prejudice you against Congress. Don't use such strong language. You talk like a newspaper. Congress has inflicted frightful punishments on its members. Now you know that. When they tried Mr. Fair Oaks, and a cloud of witnesses proved him to be—well, you know what they proved him to be— and his own testimony and his own confessions gave him the same character. What did Congress do then? Come. Well, what did Congress do? Well, you know what Congress did, Washington. 
Congress intimated, plainly enough, that they considered him almost a stain upon their body, and without waiting ten days, hardly, to think the thing over, they rose up and hurled at him a resolution declaring that they disapproved of his conduct. Now you know that, Washington. It was a terrific thing, there is no denying that. If he had been proven guilty of theft, arson, licentiousness, infanticide, and defiling graves, I believe they would have suspended him for two days. You can depend on it, Washington. Congress is vindictive. Congress is savage, sir, when it gets waked up once. It will go to any length to vindicate its honor at such a time. Ah, oh, well, we have talked the morning through, just as usual in these tiresome days of waiting, and we have reached the same old result. That is to say, we are no better off than when we began. The land bill is just as far away as ever, and the trial is closer at hand. Let's give up everything and die. Die and leave the Duchess to fight it out all alone? No, no, that won't do. Come now, don't talk so. It is all going to come out right. Now you'll see. It never will, Colonel. Never in the world. Something tells me that. I get more tired and more despondent every day. I don't see any hope. Life is only just a trouble. I am so miserable these days." The Colonel made Washington get up and walk the floor with him, arm in arm. The good old speculator wanted to comfort him, but he hardly knew how to go about it. He made many attempts, but they were lame. They lacked spirit. The words were encouraging, but they were only words. He could not get any heart into them. He could not always warm up now with the old Hawkeye fervor. By and by his lips trembled and his voice got unsteady, and he said, "'Don't give up the ship, my boy. Don't do it. The wind's bound to fetch round and set in our favor. I know it.' And the prospect was so cheerful that he wept. Then he blew a trumpet-blast that started the meshes of his handkerchief, and said in almost his breezy old-time way, "'Lord, bless us, this is all nonsense. Night doesn't last always. Day has got to break some time or other. Every silver lining has a cloud behind it, as the poet says, and that remark has always cheered me, though I never could see any meaning to it. Everybody uses it, though, and everybody gets comfort out of it. I wish they would start something fresh. Come now, let's cheer up. There's been as good fish in the sea as there are now. It shall never be said that Beriah Sellers— Come in. It was the telegraph boy. The colonel reached for the message and devoured its contents. "'I said it! Never give up the ship! The trial's postponed till February, and we'll save the child yet. Bless my life, what lawyers they have in New York! Give them money to fight with, and the ghost of an excuse, and they would manage to postpone anything in this world, unless it might be the millennium, or something like that. Now for work again, my boy. The trial will last to the middle of March, sure.' Congress ends the 4th of March. Within three days of the end of the session they will be done putting through the preliminaries, then they will be ready for national business. Our bill will go through in forty-eight hours, then, and we'll telegraph a million dollars to the jury—to the lawyers, I mean—and the verdict of the jury will be accidental murder resulting from justifiable insanity, or something to that effect—something uh, to that effect. Everything is dead sure now. Come, what is the matter? What are you wilting down like that for? You mustn't be a girl, you know. Oh, Colonel, I am become so used to troubles, so used to failures, disappointments, hard luck of all kinds, 
the little good news breaks me right down everything has been so hopeless that now i can't stand good news at all it is too good to be true anyway don't you see how our bad luck has worked on me my hair is getting gray and many nights i don't sleep at all i wish it was all over and we could rest i wish we could lie down and just forget everything and let it all be just a dream that is done and can't come back to trouble us any more i am so tired ah poor child don't talk like that cheer up there's daylight ahead don't give up you'll have laura again and louise and your mother and oceans and oceans of money and then you can go away ever so far away somewhere if you want to and forget all about this infernal place and by george i'll go with you i'll go with you now there's my word on it cheer up i'll run out and tell the friends the news and he wrung washington's hand and was about to hurry away when his companion in a burst of grateful admiration said i think you are the best soul and the noblest i ever knew colonel sellers and if the people only knew you as i do you would not be tagging around here a, a nameless man you would be in congress the gladness died out of the colonel's face and he laid his hand upon washington's shoulder and said gravely i have always been a friend of your family washington and i think i have always tried to do right as between man and man according to my lights now i don't think there has ever been anything in my conduct that should make you feel justified in saying a thing like that he turned then and walked slowly out leaving washington abashed and somewhat bewildered when washington had presently got his thoughts into line again he said to himself why honestly i only meant to compliment him indeed i would not have hurt him for the world end of chapter 51